Hello and good morning, Lakes Free. My name is Tyson, and this is my wife, Stephanie. And we're grateful for the opportunity to share our faith story with you today. Stephanie and I were raised in Christian families, and we both recall believing in God from a very young age. We were both fortunate to have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior early in life. However, our believing did not truly translate into a personal relationship with God until later in our lives. Early on, our faith was really built on the routines of our church, traditions, and a life of checking off to-dos. As we grew up and ventured off to college, one could have looked at our lives on paper and concluded they were great. Family that loved us, friends, good grades, successes in sports. Then came college degrees, good careers, finding each other. Then marriage and three wonderful children. Our life was even greater yet. But it was clear to us that even with all these blessings, we were lacking something. We were always on the hunt for more, bigger, and better. It was that hunt that led us to the pursuit of a new career and our move to Lindstrom. Upon arriving to the Chisago Lakes area, we quickly realized how alone we were. We literally knew no one. Doubt and loneliness followed, and then despair hit us really hard. We needed Christ, and we needed him desperately. Our new neighbors, Dustin and Jillian Bacher, members here at Lakes Free, suggested we come and visit the church sometime. When we did, we quickly fell in love with Lakes Free and soon became comfortable worshiping the Lord in this new environment. It was here at Lakes Free where the word relationship brought new meaning to our understanding of God. Our faith, though never completely absent from our lives, was deeply renewed as we discovered more and more about God's love for us and realized the joy of walking daily with him. After several months of attending Lakes Free, my very new friend, Erica Herring, asked me to help with that summer's vacation Bible school. I had no idea what I was getting into or what I was about to witness. That week during VBS, I watched as hundreds of children excitedly filled the halls of our church. I saw incredible volunteers, students from our youth group and adults of all ages. I observed each of these volunteers clearly using their own unique gifts and personalities, serving the Lord with joy and devotion. So fast forward a few months, and once again, Erica mentions that help was needed at the church's Awana and Cubbies program. So after the great experience I had with VBS, I decided I would step into serving on Wednesday nights. Erica and I were partnered together, Team Yellow Cubbies. Tyson couldn't miss out on all the fun, so he began to serve as one of the Cubbies' game guys, along with Jake Horn, Tyson's co-worker and good friend. I must admit, when we first agreed to serve on Wednesday nights, it did seem like a big commitment. However, today I can honestly tell you that I look forward to each and every Wednesday night, chasing after cubbies, watching Tyson lead wild games, listening to adorable preschool voices recite their memory verses, and serving the Lord with Erica, the best friend that I never thought I would have, my sister in Christ. Through our service at Lakes Free, God has rewarded us with an abundant joy, the kind of joy Apostle Paul has been talking about in this series in the book of Philippians. We found joy in the relationships we've formed with the children, joy in the parents we've met through serving, and joy in working with the adult volunteers, our beloved partners in ministry. God has blessed us with opportunities to live out our faith in Jesus. We share our story with you this morning because we truly believe in the positive fruits of serving the Lord. A phrase that we recently came across says it well. When we give our lives away, we find them. When we serve, we grow. Stephanie and I have experienced this reality through our service here at Lakes Free. 
After a life of looking for more, bigger, and better, we can confidently say that we've found the secret in real joy, serving the Lord by investing our lives in others. I'd like to leave you with this encouragement from 1 Peter 4.10. As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. If you've never taken that step of faith, please don't miss out. Get involved. Look for an opportunity to serve. I promise you, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to our faith story. May God bless you. It's always so encouraging to hear the way that God is at work in people's lives, and uh, especially when somebody has the opportunity to join in God's mission of advancing the good news of Jesus Christ and building disciples. Uh, that's what we're all about here at Lakes Free Church. That's why this church exists. It's why this church was founded 35 years ago. We wanted to create a gospel-centered church in this community that was rooted in God's word, proclaiming God's truth, and empowering people to live out their faith in service and obedience to the Lord. You may have noticed uh, before out on our back windows, if you, if you look on your way out this morning on the back windows of the cry room, the back windows of the conference room, we have three words uh, that are uh, up on those windows, grounded, growing, and going. Grounded, growing, and going. And those words mean something to us here at Lakes Free. Uh, those words are really what our church desires for everybody who joins in, in this mission here at Lakes Free Church. Our desire for you as men and women, as followers of Jesus, is we want you to be grounded in God's truth. We, we desire to be a church that is built firmly on the foundation of God's word. Everything that we do here is led and guided by the power of God's word. And so we're a church that is grounded in truth. And, and we want that for your lives as well, that your lives will be rooted in the rich soil of God's word. We, we want to be a church that is helping people grow more and more in maturity as followers of Jesus Christ. We want to we be a church where you are growing in greater Christ-likeness as you seek to walk in obedience to the Lord. We, we've been talking about this in recent weeks, that, that idea of, of sanctification. The Apostle Paul has been calling us to, to walk in obedience, to, to work out our faith because the Holy Spirit is the one working in us to mature us, to grow us in a greater Christ-likeness. But, but then it's not just about growing more in Christ, it's about going. And, and, and God calls us then to take our faith out into the world and make an impact in the lives of others. For, for some of us, the going is about serving here in church and the ministries that take place, helping others grow in their walk with the Lord. For some of us, it's about going outside these walls as ambassadors into our community, serving the Lord, proclaiming his good news. But friends, we all have a role to play in this going out in faith, living out our faith for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, these are our goals. These are our hopes for you <coughs> as attenders and, and members here at Lakes Free. People who are grounded, growing, and going. What I found very interesting as we've been looking at the book of Philippians over the last few weeks is that the Apostle Paul shared these very same hopes, these very same goals with his friends in the church in Philippi. 
This is what Paul desired for his friends in the church in Philippi. If you recall some of what we studied in previous weeks here in our series, Philippians 1.9, the Apostle Paul declares, My prayer is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And if you recall that sermon from a few weeks ago, Paul was praying that they would grow in love through their knowledge of God's word. What was Paul saying? I want you grounded in truth. I want you to be rooted in the rich soil of God's word. We, we then saw in, in subsequent weeks, Philippians 1.27, Paul says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live out your faith consistently, he says. In Philippians 2.5, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, let Jesus' heartbeat be your heartbeat. Let his mindset, his attitude be your mindset and attitude. What's Paul saying? I want you to grow in Christ-likeness. He wants to see us grow in sanctification. He goes on in Philippians 2, 12-13, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you through the power of his Holy Spirit to help us in this ongoing walk of obedience to the Lord. When Paul says, work out your salvation, friends, what's he talking about? He's talking about going in faith. It's not just about what we do in our own personal growth, but it's in living out our faith in obedience to the Lord, going out into our world for the sake of the gospel. See, friends, you can't escape this reality. All throughout the letter to the Philippians, Paul's longing for the church was that they might be believers, followers of Christ who were grounded in truth, growing in grace, and then going in faith. And you know, friends, when I hear stories like Tyson's and Stephanie's this morning, I'm just encouraged. I'm inspired because Tyson and Stephanie would be the first to tell you they're they're nothing special they are special, but they're, they don't have any unique gifts, any unique calling, any unique equipping. They're just average, ordinary brothers and sisters of Christ who stepped out in faith and obedience. And, and they're being used by God to touch countless lives. And God has given them great joy and encouragement in that. And I love seeing these stories. This is what Paul longs for his church in Philippi. This is what he longs for us. Paul said two weeks ago that he had discovered the secret to real joy in life. If you remember in Philippians 2, 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul said to his friends in Philippi, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And so too should you also rejoice. Paul says he had discovered the secret to real joy. It was about pouring out his life. For the sake of others. I'll tell you something, friends. You won't find greater joy in this world than living for Jesus. Pouring out your life for the cause of Christ, for the sake of others. Now today, we're going to see Paul's going to continue championing this vision of the Christian life for his friends at the church in Philippi. And in doing this, he's going to point them to two of their brothers in Christ, Men who Paul is going to uphold as worthy models of faithful obedience to the Lord. Models that we too can look to as examples for encouragement and inspiration in our own lives as we seek to walk with the Lord and live obedient to the Lord. We're going to look at these two brothers, Timothy and Epaphroditus, this morning. Models for ministry, models for our inspiration. 
I want you to join me. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. I'm going to read this passage for us. You can follow along on the screen if you like or in your own Bibles. I'm going to start in verse 19. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. You know, this was a bit of a strange passage, coming right here in the midst of the book of Philippians. You know, we've just come off these incredibly powerful teachings, these, these beautiful glimpses into the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, Paul's encouragement to, to us to, to walk in obedience, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, and now we come to this passage that reads like a travel itinerary. It was interesting. I, I read one commentator this week who said, no one's favorite Bible verse is found in this passage. I mean, how many of you ever asked somebody, what's your life verse? Oh, that's easy. Philippians 2.19, I, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just kind of a weird passage. And, and, and we scratch our heads like, like, what is this? How does this fit? But friends, when you understand Paul's motivation for putting this travel log right here in the heart of the book of Philippians, it makes a lot of sense. Because again, Paul has been encouraging us to follow the models of faithfulness to help us in our own walk with the Lord. Paul started out the book of Philippians saying, look at my example. Then he pointed us to Jesus. Look to Christ's example. And now he's going to point us to two of his brothers in Christ. Look to their example. You see, friends, it's in looking to the examples of faithful obedience that we too can be inspired in our own faith. And here in this passage where Paul highlights these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, we find examples worthy of imitation. These men are examples worthy of imitation. Timothy was Paul's faithful longtime partner in ministry. Epaphroditus, if you remember from very early on in our series when we talked about the background of the book of Philippians, Epaphroditus was a member of the church in Philippi who had been sent by the Philippians to minister to Paul as he was in prison in Rome. They brought food, they brought money, they brought support and encouragement through Epaphroditus. When Paul says at the end of our passage in verse 30, Epaphroditus brought what was lacking in your service to me. What was lacking was their presence. They couldn't personally be there, so they sent Epaphroditus 
to provide encouragement and support for Paul. And so Paul highlights these two brothers. He he says, number one, in them we find examples worthy of imitation. You know something, one of the most important principles I've learned in my own growth in the Lord and in my ministry as a pastor, I've seen this confirmed over and over and over again. Friends, discipleship is just as often caught as it is taught. You know, it's one thing for me to stand up here and teach on discipleship. It's another thing for us to look to models of faithful discipleship. That's why we highlight faith stories like Tyson's and Stephanie's. That's why we look to the, the video that we watched earlier to see the many ways men and women are serving here at Lakes Free. Discipleship is often more caught than it is taught. I learned this lesson in my own life. I mean, I went to, let's see, four years of college, another four years of seminary for the goal of training to become a pastor. And friends, I'll tell you something. I learned a lot in seminary. But you know where I learned the most about what it meant to be a pastor? I learned it over the course of eight years, nine years, ten years, serving under Pastor Rick and watching his faithful model of shepherding this church. I caught a glimpse of faithfulness that taught and inspired me what it looks like to be a pastor. See, friends, this is why Paul highlights Timothy and Epaphroditus for us. He he wants us not only to, to be taught intellectually what it is to be a disciple of Christ, but he wants us to see positive models of faithful men serving the Lord in obedience, to be encouraged by their, 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 their examples. What, what exactly was it about these two men that Paul thought was so worthy of imitation? Well, friends, Paul reveals in our passage this morning that Timothy and Epaphroditus shared three special characteristics, characteristics worthy of our emulation, of our imitation, he, he, he shows us here, number one, that both of these men were driven disciples. Timothy and Epaphroditus were men who above all else were committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. Think about Timothy first. Timothy, verse 22, Paul says, For you know Timothy's proven worth. Paul says to the Philippians, you know Timothy's proven worth. The, the word there in the Greek for proven worth is dokime. It means to be proven by trial. It means to, to have a tested character, character. This was the word that they would use in reference to gold that had been refined by the fire, dokime. It had been purified. It had gone through the fire. It had been tested and it had come out pure. And Paul says that you know Timothy's proven worth. You've seen him tested by the fire. Friends, Timothy was one of Paul's faithful brothers in Christ throughout his ministry. Paul mentions Timothy over two dozen times in his various letters, more than anyone else. Timothy had served as Paul's envoy to the churches in Thessalonica, in Corinth, in Ephesus, going to those churches to minister when Paul himself could not be there. Timothy was a faithful, trustworthy servant. Timothy was with Paul and may have actually assisted Paul in writing the New Testament books of Romans, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. Friends, Timothy was integral to Paul's ministry. 
Timothy was there for the planting of the church in Philippi. The Philippians saw him active in ministry. He was there when Lydia, the first Gentile convert in Europe, came to faith in Christ. He was there as Paul and Timothy side by side baptized those women in the river. He was there when the city of Philippi broke out in a riot as a result of their preaching the gospel. He was there when the slave girl was freed from her demon and came to faith in Jesus. Timothy was there when they were thrown in prison. He saw the miraculous earthquake where the prison doors were thrown open. He was there with Paul pleading with the jailer not to kill himself, thinking that he would be executed for letting the prisoners escape. He was there. They knew his proven worth. Epaphroditus, their brother, very interesting character here, Epaphroditus. How is he worthy of our imitation? How is he an example of a driven disciple? The name Epaphroditus is a name derived from the word Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of love and passion, the goddess of sex. Epaphroditus was named for this pagan god. He was very likely a Gentile convert whose family worshipped the goddess Aphrodite. And so they named him in honor of this goddess Friends, think about what this man probably witnessed and participated in in his lifetime prior to coming to Christ. The perverse acts of religious worship to the god Aphrodite, the temple prostitution, the illicit sexual acts in order to appease the goddess Aphrodite. Friends, you want to know what it looks like when an idol worshiper comes to faith in Jesus? This is what it looks like. It looks like Epaphrodite or Epaphroditus, turning from his pagan gods to love and serve Jesus Christ. Paul says, look to Epaphroditus. I want you to check out Epaphroditus' resume. Look at verse 25 if you have your Bibles open. Paul says, I thought it was necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. What a resume, friends. Did you know that there's not another verse like this anywhere in the New Testament where a single individual in one verse is lavished with so much praise? Paul highlights Epaphroditus with these five superlatives here. My brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, minister to my need. Here Paul just lavishes this praise on Epaphroditus. Friends, Epaphroditus and Timothy were men who understood the value of following Jesus. One of the famous statements you'll hear around here at Lakes Free quite a bit, Pastor Rick used to say it all the time. I've said it many times over the years. We we like to declare the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing, friends? The main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The main thing, why we exist as a church, is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the main thing for us is to keep the main thing, the gospel, the main thing. That's why we're here. And friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus were men who would have affirmed that charge. Timothy and Epaphroditus were men whose whole lives were lived keeping the main thing, the main thing. Paul goes on and then he says, not only were these two driven disciples, but they were secondly benevolent brothers. 
Why do we look to Timothy and Epaphroditus? Why imitate them? Because they were men who lived out their love and compassion for their brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about Timothy, for example. Look at verse 20 in your Bibles. Paul says in verse 20, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul says, look, when Timothy comes to you, he is going to love you and care for you with a heart of genuine concern. He will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. But notice what Paul goes on to say in verse 21. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about all the, the other pastors in Rome who had abandoned him in his imprisonment. But you know Timothy's proven worth, he says. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Friends, did you notice the shift there in verse 20 and 21? Paul says Timothy will be genuinely concerned for your interests. But then in verse 21, he says it's the interests of Jesus Christ that drive him. You see, friends, a true follower of Jesus knows that when we love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are truly loving and caring for Christ himself. When we love and serve our brothers and sisters in the faith, we are loving and serving Jesus himself. Timothy understood that. This is what Jesus himself taught us in Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Jesus said on the day of judgment, he would separate the sheep from the goats, the saved from the lost. He said one of the distinguishing marks of those who are saved from those who are lost was their love for others. Jesus says, then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we, fe- when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Friends, Timothy understood the value of serving the church because he knew that in serving the church, he was serving Jesus Christ. Paul says, look to this man as an example for your own life. How about Epaphroditus? How how did he highlight this this benevolent brotherhood, this compassion, this love for the church? Look at verse 26 of our passage this morning. Paul says of Epaphroditus that he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Epaphroditus had been sent from Philippi on on the way from Philippi to Rome to minister to Paul, a journey of over 400 miles. Epaphroditus became sick to the point of death. He found out that his brothers and sisters in Philippi knew that he was sick and on his deathbed, and now he is distressed for their sake. The word distressed here is an interesting word in the Greek. It's adamaneo. It means to be deeply disturbed, to be anxious, to be wrestling with anxiety, racked with anxiety. This word is used in only one other case in the whole New Testament. That's found in Matthew 26, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his crucifixion, praying and so intent and anxious over what's about to happen, he is sweating great drops of blood and has to be supported and strengthened by an angel to carry on. Friends, get the picture of what Paul is saying here about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus loved his friends in Philippi so much. Here's a man on his deathbed And yet he's not worried about him. He's worried about them, concerned about their needs, anxious to get home 
so that they can be assured that he's okay. Friends, you want to know what Christian love looks like? This is it right here. Paul says, imitate Epaphroditus. Jesus said in John fifteen twelve through 13, greater love knows no one than this, than he who lays down his life for his friends. This was the kind of love Epaphroditus had for his brothers and sisters in Philippi. I heard a great story this past week. A pastor friend of mine shared about a man who had served in the Pacific Theater in World War II. He was a sergeant, and there were two men who served under him. These two men had joined up in the army together. They were, they were close best friends, almost like brothers. They grew up together. They signed up, enlisted together. They served together. They fought together in the midst of the battles. They fought side by side with one another. They loved one another like brothers. During the heat of one of these intense battles on a remote island in the South Pacific, these two friends had gotten separated. The one friend was in the foxhole shooting, and he noticed his friend out in the middle of the battlefield had gotten mowed down by a machine gun and was laying in the battlefield bleeding to death. This friend in the foxhole said to the sergeant, he said, Sergeant, I need to go out. I need to rescue him. The sergeant said, No, you're not going out there. It's a suicide mission. You're not going to save him. And when the sergeant turned his back, the young friend jumped out of the foxhole anyway. And he ran out and he rescued his friend and he brought him back to the foxhole. But in the midst of bringing his friend back, he himself was all shot up. And here they were in the foxhole, the two friends holding one another as they were bleeding to death. And the sergeant looked over at the young man who had just raced out to rescue his friend. said, was it worth it? Was it worth it? And the young man looked at his sergeant and he said, yes, sergeant, it was. His last words were, I knew you'd come, Jim. That's friendship, friends. That's love. That's the kind of love that Epaphroditus had for his brothers and sisters in Philippi. Anxious, distressed, wrestling with anxiety, wanting to get home to minister to their needs. Paul says, imitate these two men. Why? Thirdly, because they were selfless servants. They were men who understood that to follow Jesus is to put the needs of others above our own. Paul says in verse 20 of Timothy, I have no one like him. If you remember back from week one in our series, all the other pastors in Rome, all the other Christians in Rome had abandoned Paul. He was in prison. They had all abandoned him. Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy. Friends, it was not popular to be on Team Paul at this moment in history. Everyone else had turned their backs on him, but Timothy remained. What do you think Timothy put up with every day as he went to the home where Paul is imprisoned to care for Paul's needs, to bring food to Paul? The derision, the scorn, the jokes. Timothy was a selfless servant. Faithful to his friend Paul. Epaphroditus, in verse 30, we see the selflessness in his life. Paul says about Epaphroditus, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus had traveled over 400 miles to bring the gifts of encouragement to Paul, to support Paul. 
The word risking here that Paul uses in reference to Epaphroditus, it's an incredible word, paraboluvame, to expose, to chance, to risk, to gamble. In the third century, friends, this word actually became a noun. The parabolani, the gamblers. You want to know what that word was used for? It was used for Christians in the third century who were known in times of plague and disease. Instead of fleeing the cities, they would race into the cities, risking their lives, gambling their lives to care for the sick and the suffering and to bury the dead. They were known as the parabolani, the gamblers. But you see, friends, what these Christians understood is that there's no safer bet in this life than to bet your life on Jesus Christ. Very interesting. I heard a story just this week about Christians in China who in the midst of the coronavirus, churches in China in the heart of the coronavirus outbreak who are walking the streets, going door to door, bringing food to people who are shut in, passing out masks, passing out supplies and medicine. It's the Christians. And the Chinese people see this evidence of faithful service in their lives. Are these people crazy? Risking their lives? Gambling their lives? No, friends, they're just gamblers for Jesus because they know that this world is not their home. They know that there's no safer bet than to live their life for the cause of Jesus Christ and for the sake of eternity. I wonder, friends, if we too would share that same motivation in our lives. Where are you placing your bets today? Are you willing to lay it all on the line for the sake of Jesus Christ? Paul says, secondly, in our passage this morning, not only are Timothy and Epaphroditus examples worthy of imitation, but they are examples worthy of commendation. Commendation. Paul says in verse 29, honor such men. Honor such men. See, servants of Jesus Christ are to be held in high esteem by the people of God. A couple weeks ago, my son Caleb and I were in Washington, D.C. I was just speaking at a church out there, and during our free time on Saturday afternoon, we went into the Capitol, and one of the monuments we got to see was the Vietnam Memorial, powerful memorial to the thousands of men and women who died in the Vietnam War. Tragic chapter in our nation's history, but one of the saddest parts of this chapter in our nation's history was the reception that many veterans received when they returned home in the early 1970s. Not brought home to crowds waiting at the airports to welcome them with acclaim, but often no reception at all, sometimes scorn and mocking. What a tragic way to honor our heroes, friends. I pray that our nation never fails to honor our heroes the way we failed to honor those veterans in the Vietnam War. And you know, in the same way, may we too as a church never fail to honor our heroes of the faith. May we follow Paul's admonition and honor such men who live for the sake of Christ and the cause of the gospel. Friends, this is why we highlight and celebrate our missionaries here at Lakes Free, men and women who give it all for the cause of Jesus Christ. This is why we honor and celebrate and respect our elders 
and our pastors and our staff here at Lakes Free. This is why we celebrate our volunteers here at Lakes Free. Highlighting faith stories like Tyson and Stephanie, showing videos like we saw this morning. Friends, we honor those who serve on behalf of Jesus Christ. Because there's no greater cause in the world than to live for the sake of the gospel. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus and you serve here at Lakes Free, I just want to say how grateful I am to you. How thankful I am to you. We have over 200 men and women each and every week who lay down their lives, sacrificing their time for the sake of this church, for the sake of the mission. Paul says, honor such men, honor such women. We thank you for your service to our church because in your service to our church, you are truly serving Jesus himself. Paul says, thirdly, that these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, are examples worthy of replication. You know, as I mentioned earlier, it can be easy at first glance to just brush over this passage. You know, what is this, a travel itinerary? But friends, like I said, when we fail to understand Paul's goal in highlighting Timothy and Epaphroditus, we completely miss out on the point of this passage's application. Paul is holding up these two models of ministry to encourage us, to inspire us, He says, imitate such men, honor such men. Why? Because his ultimate goal for the church in Philippi and for us is that we would replicate such men. Paul wants to see a church that is standing up, using their gifts, using their talents, using their ability in service of the Lord and others. See, friends, God is in the business of taking ordinary men and women who are willing to be used by him and for his glory in doing extraordinary things through them. This church has been built on the backs of faithful, average, ordinary men and women for over 35 years who have just simply just said to the Lord, I'm willing, I'm here to serve. Use me, Lord, in any way. And God has touched thousands and thousands of lives just through our church because of the faithfulness of the volunteers here at Lakes Free. I I came across a great quote. I want to close with this this morning. Fred Craddock, a famous preacher in the 20th century, he says, To give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here, 50 cents there. When we listen to a neighbor's kid's troubles, instead of saying, get lost, kid. When we go to a committee meeting, when we give a cup of cold water to a shaky old man in a nursing home, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. You know, friends, God is not going to call most of us to big, glamorous ministries. We don't all get to be Billy Graham. We don't all get to be Chaz Schaefer or Pastor Jason. But God calls all of us to serve. He calls all of us to a ministry. He calls all of us to lay out our lives little by little, quarter by quarter, 
50 cents by 50 cents in service of the gospel. We all have a role to play in the mission of advancing the good news, friends. So I want to encourage us this morning, look to the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Let's follow their lead. And let's ask the Lord, how might I imitate these two men? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these great examples of faithfulness in Timothy and Epaphroditus. We thank you, Lord, for the models of faithful service that we see in their lives. And, Lord, we pray that we would be inspired, too, to live for you, to live faithfully for the cause of the gospel as we seek to honor you in obedience and service. Lord, thank you for Tyson and Stephanie sharing their faith story with us. Thank you, Lord, for the hundreds of men and women who serve here at Lakes Free each week for the cause of the gospel, for the sake of discipling our brothers and sisters. Lord, let's look to their examples. And, Lord, may you inspire us by their examples and encourage us to to seek ways that we, too, can step out in faith, maybe serving as ushers or nursery workers or on the worship team or on our welcome team in Sunday school ministries, ABF ministries, outside of our church, in parachurch ministries. The opportunities are endless, Lord, but you have built your church for 2,000 years using ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things as we're empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, I desire that for our church. I pray that that is the heart's cry of all of us here, Lord, that we each would be used and serve as your ambassadors wherever you might call us. God, we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for the privilege we have of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I want to remind you this morning as we leave the sanctuary, we have our ushers at the back doors collecting our exit offering for our renovation uh, plans this summer. Uh, Again, we're about 65% of the way there, and we would encourage you to prayerfully give towards that goal. We're going to be doing some great things here at the church to keep this building and facility relevant, running smooth, running effective for another 35 years of faithful ministry. So we would encourage you to give uh, on your way out this morning. I want to also uh, remind you, if any of you would like prayer today, our elders and Stephen ministers will be here at the front of the sanctuary. We would love to pray for you. No matter what needs you might have, come on forward. Some of our elders will be here for you today. Would you please stand for our benediction this morning? It comes from Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God bless you and have a great week.